Welcome to the Freelance Forward podcast, a show that helps you create and run your own business to enjoy the freedom, control, and flexibility it brings. I'm your host Ching Chen, a freelance conference interpreter and language instructor. On this show, I sit down with fellow freelancers from different industries to discuss lessons learned, ideas and strategies, challenges and opportunities. So the rest of us can connect, share best practices, and gather tools and resources to move our freelance business forward. Thanks for spending some time with us today, and let's get started. So we're gonna kick off by asking you three rapid-fire questions, so that our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. What's your favorite thing about freelancing?、Uh, setting my own agenda. What's one book you're reading right now? I don't read books, so I'm not reading any. <laughs> not even e-books. No. Okay. If you could constantly become an expert in something, what would it be? Oh,、uh, that's a tough question.、Uh, photography. I'm really surprised that you don't read books. Yeah.、Um, honestly, I think I lack the attention span, and I'm I'm、huh. very visual, so. I prefer movies or you know even comic books.、Uh, And are you into maybe infographics? I am, yeah, yeah. Into is maybe a strong word, but yeah, I would prefer those over books.、Uh, I really tried reading, but it takes like for a lot of people, it's it's something that they want to do. It's a hobby, but for me, it takes too much. It it I have to force myself to concentrate and to finish the book. So, as someone who has no idea about the IT world, what does a front-end developer do? A front-end developer is somebody that、uh, works on the side that is facing the consumer or the user.、Uh, so, it is a term that、um, that is often used、uh, in web development. So, that's somebody that develops for the web, but he develops the front-facing side of the web. So, that's the side that customers that Surfers will see. So everything we see, everything we yes, get to experience. All, yeah, well, if you can interact with a website, that part is usually made by a front-end developer. Let's navigate your business world by starting with the baby that has pretty much, I would say, beaten all the rest and won your exclusive focus or a hundred percent attention at the moment. So that is Studio Wombat. Yes. I hope I have pronounced that word correctly. Yes, correct. <laughs> Um, let's start with the name. So wombat. I've done my homework. You know, it's a an animal in Australia that might be koala's nearest living relative. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. And where does that name come from? Studio wombat.、Uh, I traveled with my partner in 2016、uh, for a year、uh, to Australia, and that was one of the best experiences of my life.、Uh, it wasn't. Your typical travel. It was we 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 bought a van and we lived in it and we traveled through、cool. all Australia and we, you know, we we slept in in amazing places under the stars, and so that whole trip left a a very big impression on me and and so that's where I, I got the name from because I I saw wombats there for the first time and I didn't know what they were, and they were fascinating creatures and so I used that as my business name. 
in hindsight, it's probably not the best business name because it doesn't really. Yeah, we we we've all been there, making mistakes of yeah, finding you exactly know, uh, a business name. Yeah, it it doesn't too unique. Yeah, and it doesn't really explain what the business does. But then on the other hand, I think people don't really care about a name as yeah. long as it as it's recognizable. And I think that I made it work that way, so I'm not too. Uh, not too afraid that the name was a bad idea, but I would not choose it again. And you can change it anytime you want. Yes, you know, it's, yeah. it's 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 who you are behind the name that exactly. people would remember. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, what kind of um, product or service does uh, Studio Wombat offer? I sell uh, plugins on a popular e-commerce platform called WooCommerce, and so basically, I sell small software packages that enhances a customer's store with whatever feature they need. So I will have a few software packages, each doing their own specific thing. And people, store owners, they will find my website and they will hopefully buy my, uh, buy my software. Uh, so it is purely focused on e-commerce store owners. And the purpose is to enhance the end consumer's experience of using that website or yeah yeah mm. that's true um so the the e-commerce platform i develop my software on is called woocommerce and it's an out-of-the-box solution that runs on wordpress but it can only do so much at a certain point you will you know there are boundaries to what woocommerce can do and that's where uh, so-called plugin developers come into play they will take woocommerce and enhance it with you know other features that mm. anybody might need. And so that's what I do with Studio Wombat. I make these plugins, which are little software packages uh, running on top of WooCommerce. Um, and I see that you're planning to build a community that would be a place to 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 have people learn about e-commerce best practices um, or to, to give them some ideas to improve their store. Are you busy with it at the moment? At the moment, I'm collecting signups for that mm -hmm. community. Uh, and when I have enough signups, I'll put in the work and, and make it happen. Um, yeah, but the idea is to bring uh, people together um, that are store, store owners, and then they can um, yeah, talk about what they need, what, what are they missing in the ecosystem, or they can give tips to one another. And so it would be a win-win situation because there would be a community for store owners. And for me as a software developer, I would get ideas out of that because people would share you know, what they need or what they're missing, or they would ask questions on how to do things. And that gives me ideas as a software developer where the e-commerce platform lacks and where I can go in and make it better. Yeah, this is a question about statistics. I don't know if you have any idea how many e-commerce stores are here, I mean, registered here in Belgium. Ooh, no, I have no idea. But there are actually websites um, that are trying to measure that. Mm -hmm. There's a website called buildwith.com. And they will collect information of all websites or as many websites as they can. And they will share uh, what the website is doing, what the website is built on. And so they have, uh, they have numbers on how many e-commerce stores are currently in Belgium. But I do not know that number uh, by head, by um, heart. Yeah. But do you think developing 
those software packages or plugins?、Um, do you find it a very saturated market at the moment? Yes, I suppose so. Yes, it is a very saturated market. Yeah, there are a lot of players out there、uh, because the barrier of entry is quite low. So it is easy for a software developer to get started、uh, with making these kind of smaller software packages,、uh, because it, it's like the footprint of a, of such a software package is not as big as building the next Spotify, for example, because、right. you need a lot of infrastructure for that, and you need a team, and and so building smaller software packages, yeah, it's it's easy to get started. So a lot of people will start, and then. Luckily, not everybody, you know, grows that into a full-time business. But nonetheless, it's a very saturated market. And how do you find your spot in such a saturated market?、Uh, to me,、um, it's about not about the software, but but about the service that you deliver. Because、um, a lot of people will will. Develop software, and they will only think about that software. But I'm trying to think about the solution that the software provides to my customers, which are store owners.、Um, I will also deliver a service that is hopefully better than the competition. I will do that by、um, by offering very quick support turnaround times. So when somebody has a question, they email me, and I'll try to reply within a few hours. Which is very unusual, and that's how I try to differentiate from the competition. The service, yes, service exactly. Service is the differentiating factor. Because、yes. I, yeah, I, I was quite amazed to to see this number on your website. It says the average wait time on working days, that is three hours thirty seven minutes, and eighty percent of support tickets were solved within the hour. Yes, and, that's correct. Um, so Studio Wombat. Your baby at the moment, but you have you have also you know given birth to several babies along the way of your career. So let's talk about Table to Side.、Um, this is a smaller baby that you maybe sold two three years ago. Correct. Yeah.、Um, I'm pretty sure you have also devoted an equal amount of time energy on. Giving birth to this baby, bringing it to life. Why did you decide to let it go? Because I was spread too thin. I couldn't maintain. Because, as you said, you you give it an equal amount of time, but it's impossible to do that with two projects that are growing. And I lost the drive because of it. I was feeling a bit burnt out because、uh, I was simply doing too much. So I had to I had to sell it really. And did you、um, launch pretty much launch the、yes. Table Two Side and、yes. Studio Wombat at the same time? No, Studio Wombat was launched two years prior、mm-hmm. to Table Two Side,、um, so it was growing, but. I always felt like I wanna, I wanna create something else, because、uh, I do, I do like the process of creating something, creating software in this case.、Um, so I started on table to side because at that moment, the thing that I was building was becoming very popular. So I jumped in at the right time and I built the tool. But then, yeah, you have to grow the tool. Once it's out there, you have to, you know, you have to market it. People have to find your site. People have to、uh, have to use your your tool, and and that's what I got burnt out on because that was too much work with Studio Wombat. 
Uh, and it wasn't even a it wasn't even a fancy drag and drop builder, or it wasn't. I mean, the tool was basically an MVP at that stage, um, which means the product that is just good enough to launch, basically. So it wasn't super polished, but because right. Airtable had such a large fan base at the time, people were still finding the tool and using it. And was it a very painful process to to sell it? Um. Yes and no, because there to sell it, there are a lot of tools online to do that. So there are marketplaces where you can uh, basically just register. You uh, fill out the profile of the website that you want to sell, and then buyers can see that and contact you. So it, it's really easy, that part. But then once you find a buyer, you, you have to either uh, sign contracts uh, or you have to work on trust, which isn't always easy because it's sometimes about a lot of money when you sell software, but still you have to trust the people that are buying. Um, and then you have to do the actual handover, which means that you have to document everything, explain everything, make videos on how things work so that when they take over the software that they know how to get started. And that is a long process. But nonetheless, I mean, it is worth it in the end. In the sense that it's a relief yes, for you. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. It has been a liberating experience yes. for you. Yeah. Okay. It was really a weight off my shoulders when yeah. I sold it. Yeah. To create that extra headspace to for yes. something else yeah, or exactly. focus on yeah. the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it's like selling software is actually a, a very interesting uh, field to dive into because it's a little bit like real estate, right? Let's say you buy a house today. Uh, you can rent out the house. Mm -hmm. So let's say you receive a thousand euros per month for renting out your house. And then in 10 years you say, ah, oh, okay, now I want to sell it. I want to get rid of it because I need the cash or whatever reason you have. So you've had 10 years of getting a thousand euros per month which is already a nice income. And then on top of that, you sell the house for whatever it's worth. And it's the same with selling software, right? First, you build it, you grow it until you get a few, you, you get a, a side income off of it. And then when you're ready, you sell it and then you get a bigger chunk of cash. So it, you earn twice by selling software. First, because you've built it and it's semi-popular. And then a second time because you're selling it. Does that motivate everybody to enter the field of IT and start building software? Uh, I th well, it is it is a growing trend because now it's so easy to sell software. There are actually a lot of people that make it like their core business to just make software with the sole purpose of selling it. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good transition to my next question because I know that nowadays more and more people are considering um, selling digital products as one of their maybe passive income streams. And I mean, yeah, why? Why shouldn't we monetize the skill set we already have, right? To create extra stability or buffer or whatever as a freelancer. So I took a look at the numbers of Studio Wombat. I'm not sure about the numbers last year in 2022, but I know in 2021, you managed to sell over 200,000 worth of plugins, right? Correct, yeah. That's, that's an amazing result. 
that Thank really you, yeah. that really deserves a a big fat celebration. Were you really proud of yourself at the end of the year when you yes. saw that number? Yes. Yeah. Were you surprised? Um, well, I if if I would have seen that number five years ago, you know, this is what you'll earn in in five years' time. I would never mm. believe it. I I didn't think that was possible to make you know money on the internet in a very saturated market by just having a a, a work ethic, because that's really the only thing I I have. Because I'm I'm a software developer, but I'm not specifically very good at one field. I'm average at everything that I do, but I, so my skill has nothing to do with this, but the fact that I have a work ethic and, you know, I put in the time to do support and then to program on the side and then I find some more time to grow the business side of things. So by just having that work ethic, it was, I was able to get to that number. And yeah, that is very surprising because I would have never thought that this was possible. What do you mean by your skill set has nothing to do with this meaning success? Because does that mean you are delivering an average product like anybody else? But service has become one of the differentiating factors. So I wouldn't say my products are average, but uh, because I I do try and deliver quality. Mm-hmm. Um, but that takes time. Maybe when I launch the plugin at first, it will not be at the level of quality that I want it to be. But combined with everything else that I have, like you said, with the, the service and the support, it makes it worth it for people to buy that product and get started with it. The fact that they can tell me like, oh, I, I would like this feature as well. And then next week I would have it implemented for them. You know, that gives them the reassurance that that this product that they bought is going to be good enough in the long run. So, yeah. So I think I already have one of the answers to my next question to you. Those of us who would like to try it out to sell digital products, can you share with us some great resources that have helped you along the way? Let's put it in other words, what are the mistakes to avoid? And I can already answer that to that based on what you said. That is, do not expect your product to be perfect on the get-go. Correct, yeah. Just launch it. Yeah. When it's good enough. As, yes. Mm. Launch it as fast as you can because the hard work only starts when you launched. And that's mm. the second point. Don't expect just because you launched a product that people are going to buy it. Because you people often think of, of digital products as being... Um, a side income, you know, right. or or side passive income. income. Yeah. But I mean, it's not passive because it requires a lot of work and a lot of patience just to get known or so that people can buy your course. Um, but definitely launch as fast as you can. Obviously, your product has to meet a certain standard of quality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not saying just launch anything. But don't nitpick over every little detail um, because it's never going to be 100% perfect and your customers will make that very clear to you because there's always going to be somebody that needs something in your course or that thought of a subject that you didn't think about and then all of a sudden it turns out that your course is not 100% what that customer wanted but still good enough, especially at a price point that you're selling it because... 
don't forget that you're usually not selling, you know, a course for a thousand euros or something. It's going to be a smaller amount. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And I think、uh, we have to go back to what you said before that passive could be a misleading、yes. word or、yeah. concept when it comes to selling digital products、yeah. because, I mean, you have to constantly put in the work in sales and marketing on one side. On the other hand, you also have to constantly update the content of your product to I don't know tailor make it to address the specific needs of different customers. So it's not like once you put it out there, you launch it, then you can sleep over it and just let it generate money for you. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's almost never how it works. And it, if there's a very very small chance that you know it generates a lot of money for you, but that usually means that you found, you know, the golden egg, something that's very popular, something that doesn't exist, and you built it, and then the ball. Gets rolling from there on, but that usually never happens. So yeah, you have to put in the work.、Mm, so finding the gap in the market is also something we have to work well, on. Or yes and no, because for me, I didn't really find a gap. Right. All my software already exists. I just made it better or、right. offered better service. So you don't necessarily have to find something new. Um, but it it takes a lot more time to grow if you if you don't find something new. So if you do have a gap in the market, you can jump on that and launch something as soon as possible. So there are different types of digital products out there. For example, for coaches, instructors among our community members, they can launch online courses. Then you have creatives making digital arts or、um, printables. Patterns nowadays, I see a lot of people selling knit patterns、yeah. <laughs> on Etsy. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good idea. I mean, and and also、skill. designing and and selling different fonts that people would always need. And so I know that you are a specialist in offering licenses to digital assets. So that's your digital products. Correct. But for This sector or industry or field in in general. What other resources that you can share with us? I think for anybody that wants to sell a digital product, whether it's licenses, software, or design files,、mm -hmm. there are two directions you can go in. One is you grow your own brand, which means you build a website and you、uh, basically. Do SEO so that people find your website, or you go onto an existing marketplace and you sell your assets via the marketplace.、Um, I think for every you have marketplaces for audio files, you have marketplaces for for、um, icons for fonts. So every type of digital asset that you might want to sell has a marketplace, and the upside of the marketplace is that. They drive the traffic for you, and you don't have to.、Okay. Um, you don't have to work on marketing as much. But the downside is that they take a percentage of your sales, and you have no say in any of the decisions that you make. But it could be a good idea to start on a marketplace anyway, because that gives、um, because that validates your idea. If people on that marketplace find your product and they want to buy it, you know that you're onto something. And then you can always move off the marketplace later and start building your own brand. 
Yeah, so use those platforms yeah. as a launching pad. Exactly. So one of the learnings that I made early on was the mess of VAT in Europe. Because okay. when you're selling digital goods, you have to uh, charge VAT in the country of the buyer if that person is not a business. And so suddenly I was on the other end of the equation because I was selling something and not buying. And so you would need a system, a payment system that knows if you know somebody from France buys, okay, then this many tax needs to be added. If somebody from Spain buys, this much tax needs to be added. So that was really complicated to get my head around in understanding the whole VAT scheme. Uh, because it's not as straightforward as it is when you're just freelancing and selling services. So I did a lot of research and then in the end I chose a payment processor for my site because obviously if you're selling digital goods on your own site you need a payment processor to accept credit cards. So I chose a processor that would handle everything VAT related for me. So I I think I paid him a small percentage per sale, but the headache of VAT and rules and laws in Europe is suddenly gone. So it was well worth investigating that. And so if you're... Wait, wait, just to clarify, you mean you're selling to uh, organizations or institutions or individuals that have no VAT number? Correct. Yeah, because... I mean, even if you're selling something else than software, if you're selling fonts or images, a private person can buy these. It doesn't have to be a, a business. So they won't have a VAT number. But that, that means that you have to charge VAT in the country that they are from. So if somebody from mm -hmm. Spain wants to buy my software, but they don't have a business uh, number, then I would have to charge the Spanish percentage of VAT. I use a payment processor called Paddle and they uh, handle everything for me. So I don't have to worry about all of that. And it's just a simple checkout on my website. Uh, but underlying, they will handle all the VAT headache that exists when you're selling digital goods in Europe. Uh, but this could be one advantage uh, why marketplaces that we talked about earlier right. uh, could be a, a good starting point because they will usually take care uh, of all of that for you as well. Uh, and you don't have that headache of, of the accounting behind it. I have taken a look at... Um your website there is a timeline of the development and growth of the company and one of the milestone events on your professional or career timeline was in june 2021 do you remember what happened back then <laughs> yes i hired a full time well not full time but i hired a support agent yes then, yeah. congratulations yeah. thank you yeah so you said we expanded our team with our first permanent hire support agents yes, yes. tell us about that yes yeah, so as i already mentioned in the show support is a big part of the, the you know my selling points uh, but it was getting too much for me to handle on my own uh, if i you know i still have to do other things as well such as make new programs and, and business decisions 
Um, so I needed somebody to help me with support. And that was a that was a relief finding that person and and having them help me that was I should have done it sooner uh, if I think about it. Is he or she working for you full time? No. So they work through an agency and they work okay. for me about four hours per day. Right. Uh, so that's half a day. Um, but it's I can I can up or down scale whenever needed. So uh, because it's through an agency. So if I need an extra support agent or I need more hours, they can just supply me with that. So it's very easy and I don't have to go and look for my own uh, agents because they have trained their agents uh, for the specific field that I'm in. So so but that's very easy for me. But it's interesting uh, that you said, looking back, you should have done it sooner. Yes. But I think that's that's a trap we all fall into when we start freelancing, that we think we can do it all. Exactly, yeah. Because either we lack the money, <laughs> that's usually the yeah. case, <laughs> um, as a poor starting freelancer, yeah. or because we lack resources to, to delegate the task that we're not good at. And also, I think ego plays a role Definitely, here, yeah. That we should really just learn to appreciate and leverage um, our own talents. But in the meantime, we have to admit that we have shortcomings, we have weaknesses. We It's impossible to be an expert in everything and know it Exactly. All. Yeah, yeah. I do think that it's it's good to to grind at first. So, you know, I, I for a long time, I did my own support. And it's good because then you're I'm closer to my customers. I learn about the issues they're having. I learn about the issues within my software. So it's very good to be on that front line. But enough is enough. At some mm-hmm. point, you need to you need to occupy yourself with you know what you're good at and what's necessary. And so I needed to take a step back and and have somebody else take over the bulk of support for me. And looking back by giving up some control, what do you think you have gained in the process? Growth, really, because mm. it it frees up time for me to do other things, um, and also personal growth. Because as you said, it's very hard to to spend money on something to to you know to put aside your ego and and find somebody that can handle things at the level that you want them to handle it. That's not an easy thing to do. And so by by just making that step once, I can do it again because now I know how it feels to, you know, give part of the business to somebody else and let them handle it. So that's personal growth as well for me, because I've always said I don't want to end up with a team. I'm very happy on my own. But now that I made that hire and I see the positive sides of, of that, I kind of think like, you know, a small team would be nice. So, yeah. I definitely grow with that as well. Mm. And are you satisfied with what you have at the moment? Or are you planning to expand the team by maybe adding in one more team member? Uh, I think in time I will have to add uh, extra team members um, because there's also a lot of competition in my field. So if I want to stay ahead, mm-hmm. I yeah I will need somebody to help me with programming as well. Mm, and so then marketing as well so that's I will part of to... scaling up yeah exactly mm. yeah it's necessary evil <laughs> all 
Right, Martin. Let's talk about、um, remote work. It is true that remote work adds flexibility to our lives, but it's not everyone's cup of tea. It's definitely not suitable for every profession. But I know you are a diehard fan of a hundred percent remote work. Even tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, because for me, it does work.、Mm. But you're right; it doesn't work for everybody. But I think. That it would be nice if people were given the choice, and I think maybe thanks to COVID, more people have the choice now. But before that, in Belgium, you know, there's you you had to be in the office, and yeah, I like to be given a choice because for me, it really equals freedom to be able to work remotely because I'm an avid traveler, so it means that I can go. Anywhere and just work from my laptop. Yeah, I think software developers, their work is mostly location independent, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the days that you need a super decent internet connection are also over because everybody just works on their laptop, and then when they need to send it off, they'll send it off. So you need an email connection then. But yeah, there are a lot of a lot of professions that are perfect for remote work, and I wished that. More companies would offer that、uh, incentive, but yeah, I'm a very big fan of remote work、uh, because it makes me happier and it really works for me.、Hmm. But obviously, there are a lot of negatives to it as well because、uh, you do get isolated and your word, your world、um, grows smaller if you don't go out and meet people. So yeah, it's definitely not for everyone. If you're a social butterfly. Sitting cooped up at home might not be the best work environment for you, but there are solutions to that because there are. <laughs> you would be、spaces. like a flower that would eventually be withering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly.、Uh, but there are solutions to that too. There are co-working spaces in every major city. So yeah, there are ways to create that exactly、um, social interaction. Exactly. Yeah.、Um, but I personally, I do find it much、um, easier to maintain this. Healthy or healthier lifestyle because we can we can cook at home. There will be less eatouts, or and we can even schedule in very small workouts or stretches during the day during the working hours. Yes.、Yeah. On the other hand, do you find it difficult to stay motivated and prevent some, let's say, bad habits such as procrastinating? Oh yeah,、um, definitely. Yeah, you need you need a good work ethic, I think, to make it work,、um, and it works both ways because working from home also means that you know when it's six p.m. you could still be working or you know, even later. So you you have to you have to make boundaries really.、It's、super important that we freelancers we have a routine. Yeah, and on top of that, the discipline to maintain that routine. Because I mean, when you f- start freelancing, you can think that okay, I'm gonna be my own boss.、Uh, I can just lounge around in my pajamas and and doing my work. But in the long run, it's it's very unlikely, at least to me, to achieve success that way. Because you have to develop a routine that, for example, at home defines your working hours and your non-working hours,、yeah. and have a very clear separation. Between the two, because that's the only way to to help you maintain that. 
productivity. Um, on the other hand, like you said, you can choose. So you can choose your working hours. If you're mostly productive during the evening, then work then. Or at a time to to work around other commitments or um, engagements,、yeah. obligations you have as a husband, as a dad, you know. Just the fact that you can go to the store. Not when everyone else is there, because、exactly. you can choose your own time. That's, That's such a luxury. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like yesterday afternoon, we went to the cinema to 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 watch the 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 latest film of、uh, Felix von Gruningen and Achtbergen. Nice. Yeah. It was that, such yeah. a luxury to go to the cinema at one forty five in the afternoon. Yeah. When you're pretty much the only.、Audience. And it can if if you can separate it well, then this. The fact that you can do this contributes to your happiness, which means that you'll be more productive when you're working. But that separation requires discipline,、yes. routines,、uh, and good time management,、yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah. I was very much drawn into two things on your blog and your website. So one is this. Transparency report of your business, and the other one is your well, personal and all combined personal professional year in review series, where you look back and reflect on different aspects from the previous year, be it business growth, personal health, your travel experiences during the year, or even investing. So, are you a big fan of journaling? On a daily basis, or you just pile up these two, in the most important reports once a year, let's say. Yeah,、uh, I do them once a year because I'm not a very good writer and I'm too busy to journal.、Um, but I do. I like it to reflect back on a period of time. And for me, I chose a year, but you know, other people can do it weekly or monthly. Uh, but I do like to reflect back and then just think about what you've accomplished during that period, and then also set some goals for the next period. And then at the end of that period, you can see, you know, did I did I do what I said I was going to do? And it really works for me just to take that time to reflect, because as a as a business owner, it's easy to just. You know, look ahead and get lost in the day to day, and there's so much to do and so much work. But then at the end of the year, I really like to take that time when it's quieter because everyone's partying. I'd like to take that time and then reflect on on everything really personal and business growth. I feel really, <laughs> I feel really pumped to to have learned a lot about a field that. Was completely unknown to me before, so thank you.、Um, You're very welcome. Before we wrap up, there are three questions that I would like to ask all of my guests on this show. Next thing to accomplish on your bucket list.、Um, personally, I would like to swim a thousand meters in twenty minutes. I'm very close, but not there yet. And then professionally. I really need to work on a plan of action for content, because that's the whole the SEO and marketing side of the business that's easily forgotten when you're a typical programmer. So I need to work on that,、um, and those are the top goals I think for this year. 
are they grand enough to be listed on your bucket list? Because <laughs> yeah, actually, yes. Because so you have a rare <laughs> the marketing part. I know it sounds silly, but I've already tried it for two years, and I've said for two years that you know I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna do this properly, and somehow I fail. So I need to I I need to force myself to find a solution for that, and probably the solution will be to outsource it. Because by now I should face the fact that I am not a marketing person and I cannot help my business by doing it myself. But still, quite an approachable bucket list, I would say. Yes, yes. Well, start small, right? <laughs> If you could choose any person from history to have dinner with, who would it be and why? Well, you can list uh -huh. three. Okay. If you have three names, um, the first one would be my dad because he passed away before I started a business, and I think he would be proud of the accomplishments that I that I made throughout the years. Uh, no doubt, <laughs> he would be very proud. Uh, the second one is uh, Izzy Kamakawiwole. He's a Hawaiian musician, and he's famous for uh, playing the ukulele and singing "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." And so he, he's had a tough life and he, he died um, heart failure, but he died at a very young age. And I just, I don't know, his voice is so captivating that I think I could learn a thing of two by just sharing a beer and, and hear him talk. And so that would be cool. And uh, so a third person is Margaret Hamilton. There's a famous photo of her where... Uh, she stands next to a stack of uh, paper books, which is equally high as her. And she is uh, a software, she was a software engineer uh, on the NASA team. Mm. And they programmed the whole uh, Apollo mission back then. And so it's a really high stack of books. And that's the, the code for that mission. And wow. I would like to, I would like to sit down with her just to learn <laughs> about how it was to to code back then, because it's so different than it is now. If if now we have an issue, we just run our program, and we see, ah, no, it failed. Let's fix the issue. But back then, it was so different. You know, they they printed code on paper just so that they they could read and and you know debug. Everything so. was still done manually, I guess. A lot of it, yeah, yeah. A lot of it was done. So uh, that would be interesting. That those would be uh, my top three, I think. Very yeah. fascinating. <laughs> And the last question: What is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Um, what I have already shared here, uh, which is, uh, don't try to be perfect. Launch as soon as you can, and don't overthink it. There's a lot of information out there on how to do something, but don't read everything. Start today. Grazie mille. Thank you so much, Martin, for coming to today's show. You're very welcome. Um, happy New Year of the Rabbit, and I hope this New Year can bring you a lot of carrots. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in today. This is the Freelance Forward podcast, a show by freelancers and for freelancers. If you want to be part of this journey, join the community on our Facebook group, Freelancers in Belgium, or get in touch via podcast at freelancersinbelgium.be. Feel free to ask questions and suggest guests because we love your feedback. My name is Ching Chen. 
I hope you remember to take extra good care of yourself as you do your work out in the world. Keep on freelancing, and till the next episode.